Welcome to episode 30 of the Haiku Chronicle podcast. I'm Patricia, your host, and I've decided to dedicate this year to grappling with the writing and reading of haiku. I'm just over halfway through. If you'd like to hear my rudimentary efforts, you can go back to the early episodes of the podcast, plot my progress, and judge whether I'm becoming a better haiku poet. I think I am. But what do you think? The idea behind the podcast is to share what I'm learning in the hope that together we can all become better haiku poets. I'm putting my thoughts out there and I'm really grateful to those of you who take the time to give me feedback. It's the only way to learn, isn't it? This week I'm looking at the technique of comparison, or maybe you know it as internal comparison. I've got what I think are some lovely haiku to share with you to illustrate the technique. Then I'll give you the best haiku I've been able to come up with by trying to use this technique. And if you have some time, it would be great to hear your feedback on my efforts and, of course, those of the more experienced hygiene. And finally, we'll head to Australia to visit with Giddy again. Now, the technique of comparison sounds so easy. I read how Betty Drevniok in her handwritten pamphlet Aware a haiku primer describes it. She says, Think of two sides of a coin, an image on one side, an image on the other side. Fantastic, I thought. This sounds like it's going to be a doddle. Then I continued to read. These images belong to the same moment, are affected by the same moment, but affected differently. Put together, they show an unsuspected unity of attunement. Yes, I know. What was I thinking? Nothing about haiku, if you want to write successfully, is simple. Maybe the technique can be explained more easily, and to me, in a less frightening way, which won't dissuade me from having a go at it. Perhaps you could say the skill with comparison is to express two juxtaposed images that are not obviously similar or connected, in order to show how alike they are in unexpected ways, or how they're connected. To express something, and yet not say it, so that our reader is not told, but we leave them to come to our discovery in their own way. So let's look at a couple of examples. The first comes from Jane Reichold, in Writing and Enjoying Haiku. A spring nap, downstream cherry trees in bud. Reading it in isolation without her notes, I really wasn't getting it. But this is what she said. Buds on a tree can be compared to flowers taking a nap. So obvious. Possibly, if I'd read it a few more times, I would have come to this conclusion myself. And now an example from Ferris Gilly, which I just adore. Cloudless sky, fresh lemons gleam in a blue bowl. Here you have two images, the cloudless sky and the lemons in the blue bowl. If you were just saying this haiku as a sentence, I think it would go something like, this sky is just like those lemons in the blue bowl. How does it work? Well, a cloudless sky is blue with a brilliant shining yellow sun, and the second image, the one of the lemons in the blue bowl, is, if you like, a reflection of the sky, the gleaming lemons taking the place of the shining sun although possibly he might have left it as a lemon gleams. What do you think? Anyway, 
These images are both of the same moment and they do have a unity, don't you think? As this haiku circulates in my mind, I admire it so much that I almost want to give up writing them myself. But I must shut down this negative thought, gird my loins and get on with things. But before I do, just a little afterthought. Sometimes connections are not immediately apparent, yet when the poet wrote it, it meant something to them. They made a connection. Sometimes we're too quick to give up the search for the aha moment or the, or the unifying idea in a haiku. As a group, let's not be those people. Let's give each other's haiku a good chance to be understood. I know it's not going to happen every time, but at least we can try, can't we? Now it's time to embarrass myself with my latest effort. Spring Breeze. She wags her finger at the youth. This was inspired by a recent trip on a tram. It's not unusual here for little old ladies travelling on the tram to chastise teenagers when they do something wrong. If it was me, with my Anglo-Saxon cultural bias, I would just say something to the offending youth. But here it seems that a wagging finger is more often deployed than vocal cords. So back to the haiku. It's spring here. At least it is for a little while longer. But the reason I use spring breeze was that a spring breeze is chilly without being totally cold. And it seemed to me that this finger-wagging at the youth on the tram was a gentle way of admonishing him, which fits with my notion of the spring breeze being cool without being freezing and harsh. Does that make sense to you? Right, enough about me. Let's head off to Brisbane, Australia and visit with Giddy again. Remember, Giddy is running her own haiku group. She tells me it's going well. If you live in Brisbane and would like to join or know more about Giddy's group, then you can get in touch with me by email and I'll forward it to Giddy, or you'll find her on Twitter, and I'll put the link in the show notes with all the other things you need from today's podcast. Now for Giddy's haiku. Butterfly alights on my hand. Only a second. Reading this once, perhaps you think, OK, a butterfly lands on your hand for a second. Big deal. But let's read it again. Butterfly, a light's on my hand, only a second. Does it get you thinking about the brevity of life? How long does a butterfly live? I googled it, and apparently the average lifespan of butterflies is about a month. It's not long, is it? And when you think about a butterfly alighting on you, does it give you a real buzz, a sense of joy? I can tell you I was in a park in Seville, Spain this year, and a beautiful butterfly, it, it looked like a Red Admiral but I'm no expert, landed on my shoulder. It was amazing. And then thinking about it for a bit longer, I thought, there's a lightness about the butterfly, but actually it's carrying a serious message. Life is short, use it well and bring some joy into the world. I think this haiku about a butterfly sharing a second of its short life with Giddy, me, and now you, did its job. It brought me joy, anyway. One of the great things I find about haiku is that you can convey so much in so few words. But here are a couple of questions for you. When you write your haiku, do you find they convey a meaning to other people that you'd never thought of? And if this is the case... Are you interested and delighted by what people read into your work? 
or affronted that they didn't see what you saw. I'd really like to know because it's a subject that interests me a lot. The psychology of haiku writing. My thanks as always to Giddy for bringing a little bit of her life into ours. And now a quick reminder that I'm seeking submissions of haiku on the topic of women. You don't have to be one to write it. All perspectives are welcome. And I'd need to have them by July the 20th, please. You'll find my contact details on poetryp.com. Thanks very much for being with me this week. Next week, we're going to Hull in the United Kingdom by plane. Very exciting. See you then, and keep writing. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You'll find the links you need on the Poetry P website. If there's something missing, just let me know and I'll send you what you need. Ciao.